Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 12th January 2024. This is Ian Haydock. This time, major takeaways and highlights from the JP Morgan meeting, J&J bets on ADCs with Ambrex Buy, the Indian GLP-1 battleground, and Scrip asks what 2024 holds for business strategy and leadership. If the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference is a bellwether for the year ahead, 2024 could be on track to be an improvement over 2023 for the biopharma sector. Drug makers, investors and other healthcare specialists, including more artificial intelligence providers than ever before, descended on San Francisco for the industry's big annual conference on 8th to 11th January, Jessica Merrill writes. Cheerier sentiment could not eliminate an undercurrent of tension running across the industry, however, driven by factors like the uncertain US drug pricing environment, constrained resources to pay for increasingly expensive new therapies, the consistently negative public perception of the industry, and the never-changing pressure of doing something really hard, developing innovative drugs that break new ground and doing it faster. The meeting kicked off with plenty of deal news the way biopharma investors prefer it. Johnson & Johnson and Merck Co. were two companies that announced small acquisitions on the opening day of the meeting, with J&J agreeing to pay about $2 billion for Ambrix Biopharma in the hot antibody drug conduit or ADC space. For myotech leaders, those deals and the potential for lower interest rates in 2024 fueled optimism. There's less gloom and doom versus the last two years, Immunocore CEO Bahija Jalal said in an interview. But I've been around long enough to know that the sector always goes through that, through the ups and downs. Via Biotechnology CEO Marianne Debacco also had a hopeful outlook. Six, eight weeks ago, I would have said it looks all very gloomy and it doesn't seem to be lightening up anytime soon. But now that the interest rate situation has changed, you can already see that there is more money flowing into the capital markets, she told Scrip. Sanofi Global Head of Partnering and Business Development, Monica Vanuk, predicted 2024 will be a busy year for deal-making. I think you already feel that this JPM is different than the one before, much more confidence that started really in the last weeks of 23, where we saw a flurry of deals, and that continues, she said during a briefing with reporters. I think that excitement will continue throughout 24. For Big Pharma, the approaching loss of exclusivity of some of the industry's best-selling brands and uncertain consequences of the new Medicare drug price negotiation programme in the US remain overhangs that weighed on some of the industry's biggest drug names. Pfizer CEO Albert Baller took the stage in the Westin's Grand Ballroom in an about-face from last year. He apologised to investors for missing 2023 financial predictions for the company's COVID-19 products and underperforming in other areas, including the launch of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine, Abrisvo. Other drug makers are more solidly positioned for near-term growth, including AstraZeneca, Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk, with the latter two being the new post-pandemic darlings of the industry. The huge windfalls they are poised to bring in from their respective obesity franchises, Zepbound and Mogovi, have almost every big farmer in the industry clambering to find ways to break into the market. The biggest concern long-term that I have would be whether the trends in reimbursement in the United States continue, and depending on where they land, they can have very significant consequences on innovation, Takeda Pharmaceutical R&D President Andrew Plamp said in an interview.
But I think right now, we can make it work. Turning to the J&J Ambrick deal in more detail in a separate story, Alaric Diamond writes the US major is beginning 2024 by making another bet on antibody drug conjugates with the acquisition, announced on 8th of January. The $2 billion all-cash merger will see J&J gain Ambrick's lead assets, ARX 517 and ADC targeting PSMA for metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer, currently in Phase 1-2 development, Phase 2 stage, ARX 788, which targets HER2 in metastatic HER2-positive breast cancer, and the CD70 targeting ARX 305 for renal cell carcinoma in Phase 1. The Ambrix buyout builds on J&J's efforts over the last few years to build out its presence in ADCs, following a 2022 research collaboration and licensing agreement with Mersana Therapeutics. It also follows, by mere weeks, a deal between J&J and South Korea-based Legochem Biosciences for rights to that company's PROP2-directed ADC, LCB84, worth up to $1.7 billion in upfronts and milestones. We believe that ADCs are going to be an important tool, an important modality in solid tumours, and we've been creating a platform in ADCs, CEO Joaquin Duato told the JPM audience, referencing the deals and adding that J&J's efforts to build that platform culminated with the agreement with Ambrix. Therapies against PSMA are an increasingly crowded space overall, but Duato suggested the acquisition of ARX 517 could give J&J the means to stand out in a market he said the company knows well. ADCs in general are a large and growing market and target of interest from large pharma companies as well, as Pfizer showed when it plunked down $43 billion in March to acquire ADC specialist CGN. Returning to the JPM meeting, Scripps' Day 3 notebook highlights include Biogen CEO Christopher Wiebacher saying during a fireside chat that the company remains in deal-making mode. But he noted it's not likely to pursue another transaction like last year's $7.3 billion acquisition of Riata Pharmaceuticals, which brought in an on-the-market Friedrich's ataxia drug, Skyclaris. We couldn't afford to do another Riata, at least this year, Wiebacher said. But we are generating quite a bit of cash flow every year, and we certainly have the capability of doing licensing deals, and I'm not sure we need to do another Riata. He said Biogen will be focused on earlier stage licensing deals like long-term agreements the company has made with Ionis Pharmaceuticals around the development of antisense oligonucleotides for a range of diseases. And as the CEO has indicated before, Wiebacher said Biogen is looking to broaden its scope from neuroscience to adjacencies in rare diseases and immunology, where drug development has a more traditional path. Sanofi, meanwhile, has a big strategy to become one of the leading immunology companies in the world, riding on the coattails of Dupixent, but as part of the emphasis on immunology and inflammation, oncology has certainly been moved to the back burner. Management didn't mention oncology once during the corporate presentation at JPM, and when asked at a press briefing on 10th January about the company's commitment to oncology, CEO Paul Hudson admitted that Sanofi hasn't been able to build the critical mass it needs to establish a franchise. You have to really be able to stand up an entire franchise to be able to do great science and make the economics work, and we felt we'd be getting further from that, not closer, Hudson said. 
The company has had a series of disappointments in cancer, but he added, we are not out of oncology, but our bets are much earlier. That's just changed the tonality because it's a huge consumer of investment in R&D. Takeda Pharmaceutical, meanwhile, told the meeting it's planning a big development program for its oral TYK2 inhibitor, TAC279, acquired from Nimbus Therapeutics for $4 billion up front in December 2022. The company has already outlined some plans for Phase 3 studies in plaque psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and intends to run a head-to-head trial against Bristol-Myers Squibbs, so TIC2, in psoriasis, not for registration but for the commercial market. In an interview at JPM, R&D President Andrew Plump said the company also plans to move quickly into Phase 2b studies in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. So TIC2, which was approved for psoriasis in 2022, failed mid-stage clinical trials in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, raising the risk for Takeda to run the studies. That raises the question of is it so TIC2 or is it the mechanism, Plump said. Of course, we can't answer that until we run the study, but we have a strong level of confidence that this will be effective in IBD. Check out all of Scripps' daily notebooks from JPM for other day-to-day highlights of the meeting. Glenmark Pharmaceuticals has launched the first biosimilar to Nova Nordisk's GLP-1 receptor agonist Victoza in India, kicking off 2024 with a high-profile debut in the competitive diabetes segment, Andrew Gangodi writes. While the company may have pipped several other domestic peers in the fray, the product, sold as Lyrafit, appears to be sourced from Levin Biotech, which went through with the Phase 3 efficacy and safety trial of biosimilar lyroglutide in India versus the original reference product, Victoza. Lyrafit 6mg per milliliter comes in at a maximum retail price of 1,855 Indian rupees, about $22.30, while Victoza is available at a discounted price of 4,490 rupees, according to details on an online pharmacy. Glenmark pointed out that a standard dose of 1.2mg per day of Lyrafit has been priced at around 100 rupees, cutting the cost of therapy by approximately 70%. The launch of lyroglutide marks Glenmark's entry into the injectable anti-diabetic market, though the Mumbai-based company is no novice in the wider diabetes segment. Lyroglutide biosimilars have already been approved in China, and the opening up of an Indian prong for the product is perhaps noteworthy, given that Novo Nordisk recently indicated it would temporarily cut back on the supply of Victoza to facilitate improved supplies of Zempic, its high-flying GLP-1. A number of Indian firms are already working on plans for semaglutide as well. While Sipla had earlier indicated its intent to pursue plans for oral semaglutide, Peer Dr. Reddy's Laboratories has been known to be advancing a synthetically developed semaglutide injection in India. A number of domestic firms also appear to be in the fray for lyroglutide, including India's top-ranked drugmaker Sun Pharmaceutical Industries, Biocon and Virchow Biotech. In April last year, a subject expert committee, which advises the Indian Drugs Regulator on trial-related approvals, recommended that Sun and Biocon should conduct Phase 3 programmes for their lyroglutide biosimilars and accordingly submit the protocol for further review by the committee. Both companies had sought a waiver of the Phase 3 trials. Details of the meeting of the SEC, Endocrinology and Metabolism, indicated. 
Sun's own R&D pipeline also has a GLP-1 receptor agonist currently in the early stages of development. Finally, in the first instalment of the annual Script Asks series compiled by Eleanor Malone, industry executives share their views on the topic of business strategy and leadership. Among the more than 20 industry leaders offering opinions, Emmanuel Quiles, who's Worldwide Vice President, Cardiovascular and Metabolism and Pulmonary Hypertension for Johnson & Johnson Innovative Medicine, said, As economic, social and environmental crises magnify, the world is undergoing some of the most turbulent times we've ever seen. I expect to see the biopharma industry embracing three strategies to stay resilient in this climate, she told Scrip. These she summarised as efficiency, purpose and positivity. Efficiency means exercising intentionality and focusing on activities for a sustainable world. For example, drugs need to have a clear additional benefit for both patients and the healthcare system, she said. As for purpose, this involves ensuring our employees understand the bigger picture of what we are trying to achieve. For example, the idea of delivering for the quarter is not as engaging as the idea of transforming care. And the third strategy, positivity. Kiles described as rewarding efforts and not just outcomes so that our teams remain in a constant state of positive learning and growth. On partnerships, Ivan Lowe, who's CEO of antimicrobial resistance-focused Paratech Pharmaceuticals, argued that a combination of intensifying distressing global forces in 2024 will call for and drive demand for new public-private partnerships to ensure that critical life-saving medicines are available to meet growing and urgent needs. Warfare's devastating injuries and illnesses mean more people need more medicines but can't get them in time. Escalating geopolitical instability coupled with ongoing drug shortages increase the need to protect citizens and the military with a strong national stockpile of life-saving antibiotics, including medicines that can counter bioterroristic threats and reinforce the need to create reliable manufacturing supply chains, he warned. The article has a wide range of views and opinions from executives too broad to cover here, so do check it out in full for all the insights that they provide and the forecasts for this year, and do keep an eye out for the other instalments in the Script Asks series. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. If you already subscribe, log in to access all these stories in full, which are linked in the description below, or otherwise sign up for a free trial to see what you're missing in Script's global coverage. Bye for now.